You're listening to the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, your source for news, reviews, and questions about the cell phone industry. Visit us at www.thecellphonejunkie.com. Hello and welcome back to the Cell Phone Junkie. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. And we are up to show number 62 of The Cell Phone Junkie. You know, we had a, a nice little break there. It was about uh, nine days off since we've done the last show. It was great to have Rob on the last show from today in iPhone. Certainly appreciated that. Had a great time talking with him. And hopefully you enjoyed the commentary that we had all about everything that is the iPhone as we know it today. Uh, obviously, going into the future, we're going to have a lot more probably to talk about as the device continues to be hacked and and messed with and changed up and and you know, potentially on new carriers and things like that. So hopefully we can get Rob back in the future to chat about some of those different things. So, but uh, Joey, the first thing we want to talk about tonight is um, both of us are originally from the Twin Cities area. Uh, I currently reside in Phoenix, Arizona, and you are up in Minneapolis um, as we speak. Now, back on August 1st, uh, most people know we hit the the awful tragedy of the Interstate 35 uh, W bridge that crossed over the Mississippi um, came tumbling down and crashed into the water. And I just thought it would be fitting to start out and uh, just kind of talk a little bit about um, the what happens with cell phones and landlines in the event of a, of an event like this. And, and you witnessed it firsthand. Um, and I actually did as well, but I, I wanted to, to get your comments on this and to, to kind of hear what you had to say. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't witness the, uh, the event uh, firsthand, but I did try to make a phone call into a Minneapolis phone number, uh, to my wife's cell phone. And I've got an all circuits busy, message her cell phone number is a minneapolis exchange which is a 612 um but she was not in minneapolis at all at the time and it 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 seems pretty bizarre to get an all circuits busy message um you know during an event like that when you know you're not actually in the area because um you know you kind of expect your services to work but what happens is during an event like that Everyone grabs their phone to call to see if you know everyone they know is okay, and then the other half of the people call the other you know call somebody to say, "Did you hear about the bridge?" And with the, the combination of those two things, the, the the traffic and phone calls just spikes. It overwhelms everyone's networks: Verizon, Sprint's, T-Mobile's, and then also the actual you know Quest in our area. Um, you know, I don't know if the message I received came from the Quest or came from T-Mobile's or came from Sprint's. But um, you know, a little later in the uh, the evening, a couple hours later, I tried calling home to the Vonage line and got a similar message and that the call was not able to be completed. And, and that's never happened before as well. So I don't know if Vonage happened to be overwhelmed with their exchange or if it was a Sprint problem or if it was a Quest problem. You just don't know. But... You know, my real point to this is that, you know, public safety officials rely, I think, way too heavy on cell phones. And, you know, the police, fire, EMS, they're using cell phones more and more, and uh, government workers as well. And, you know, during disasters and uh, issues, you know, big issues like this, 
You know, they, they, they were even pleading on the, the news and all the media outlets to, to tell people to stop using their cell phones because they couldn't get through themselves. So it, that's a, it's a bad deal. I mean, I, I, you know, here in Minnesota, we have the uh, trunked uh, radio system that's uh, statewide. And uh, with that system here, the, the cell phone network shouldn't have been an issue in uh, public press releases. So I'm, I'm real curious as to why, why that was going out. Well, and, and my, my experience with it was obviously from an outsider at the time trying to get back to people who were in Minneapolis. And fortunately, um, everybody that I attempted to contact did have a landline phone, but my first call mistakenly was to my dad's cell phone, which is an AT&T BlackBerry, and was not able to get through, got the all circuits are busy message. Um, my second call was to the the landline phone, and that did work. So, um, thank goodness, uh, everybody that um, that we know was was safe, and we we didn't have any personal um, uh, hardships or any 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 issues with anyone in our family. So, uh, but but pretty, we're going to talk about this a little bit later too with one of our one of our our commenters, or actually, or people who had a question about this, uh, how this all works, and um, a question about Nextel's in it. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But just thought that was worth mentioning at the beginning of the show, because very, very scary stuff. And, uh, you know, whenever there's a disaster like this, we really have to, you know, you just have to realize what you're up against with the, the technology that we have. And as great as it is, there are limitations. So yeah, and the cell phones definitely they, they don't have all kinds of extra capacity built into them because that costs more money. And the cell phone companies won't build in that extra capacity until they're either required to by the government or some other, some other uh, the, the equipment becomes way cheaper and the spectrum becomes way cheap. That just won't be available. So we have to remember you can't rely on your cell phone. Major disasters like this. So keep that in mind. Yep. Well, the next thing uh, we wanted to mention here, uh, I was fortunate enough over the last week to to make a couple of different appearances on a few different shows. Uh, one was the msmobiles.com podcast, which was uh, this past weekend. I believe it was 181 or 82. I don't remember the, the number. Uh, and then also got to make an appearance on the Mobility Today podcast number 93. At the very end, I, I uh, just happened to get a what kind of turned out to be a prank call from the guys over there in the middle of their podcast. And so anyway, if you're interested in either of those, you can pop over to uh, mickeypapillon.com and I've got links to both of those shows so you can get in there and download them. But the, the thing that, that prompted me to mention those was that there is a series of awards that are out there right now. And these are the podcast awards and you can head on over to podcastawards.com and there's unfortunately the cell phone junkie wasn't on there, but the mobility today podcast was on there. So if you're a listener uh, or a fan of the mobility today show and you happen to not hear the last show where they were talking about it, um, you know, if you'd consider voting for them, that's, uh, that's completely up to you. But I just thought I'd mention it, that they are, they are up for the, uh, the best mobile phone podcast. So pretty good, pretty neat for them. Oh, when, when, you know what, uh, how do you become on this list of nominated 
podcasts? Well, they they have a uh, they have a process that they go through beforehand where people nominate different shows that are out there to get put on this, and so you have to basically have a, a an audience that is aware of these particular awards that they're out there, and then enough people to nominate you to get on the list, and then the top 10 from each category then have this award voting process that goes for about two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, then they name the people who win. And um, yeah, so anyway, but it was, it was pretty neat. There were about 330,000 submissions, apparently uh, about 6 million nominations between those people. So crazy. Yeah. 4,000 plus shows, lots of podcasts out there. If you didn't know. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, anyway, so Mobility Today, best mobile phone podcast. If you like them, go vote for them. I know they'd appreciate it. Moving on. You know, we live in the United States, and we are at about a 70% uh, mobile phone penetration rate, which means that approximately 70% of the population, or if you take the the total population of the U.S., which is just over 300 million, approximately 70% of that number has a cell phone in their possession. Now, that can be skewed a little bit by people who have two phones, three phones, or more, (laughs) kind of depending on how, how it goes. Um, and then, of course, it's offset by people that have no phones. Well, the uh, the OECD Communications Outlook 2007 has just been released. And what that tells us is the mobile phone subscribers in the 30 countries that they review. And you'd be surprised at the, the country that has the highest penetration rate. It would be Luxembourg. And they have 157.3 mobile subscribers for every 100 people. So... Basically, what that means is for every one person, 1.5 peop- there are 1.5 phones. So lots of people have two phones out there. And what they're saying is that that abundance of subscribers is due to the large number of SIM cards that are out there that people use for the same phone. So, for example, I, I, my guess is that people have a lot of prepaid cards, and they take those prepaid cards, and they keep those phone numbers active, and they rotate them through based on maybe balances or something like that. Um, but they are one of Luxembourg is one of 14 countries, including Italy um, and a couple others, that have more subscribers than people. So if you think we've got a lot of phones, uh, yeah, look to some of those East, uh, those European countries because, Joey, I don't know about you, but that, that's just amazing to me that there's that many mobile phones out there for that. <laughs> I get, well, I, what, you know. yeah, with active subscribers, that's amazing. If that, I mean, that, if that is the case, I guess people are switching, uh, switching SIM cards. I know what, we've seen in the past a few phones that have multiple SIM slots in them. Maybe some of that is uh, in Luxembourg. Maybe that's a particularly uh, um, more popular type of phone there. Yeah, and it very well could be. I would say that the majority of the people that would would potentially come in and take a look at, at, at some of these would be people that, um, you know, have, I don't know, let's just say a business line, a personal line, and maybe a secondary personal line where they have one phone that they're using these all for, or maybe two phones and they kind of rotate through SIM cards and, and whatnot. So I don't know, just kind of kind of an interesting thought there, but definitely worth mentioning. Also worth mentioning, Verizon 
just bought Rural Cellular. And Rural Cellular, not a real big carrier. They've got a, a subscription base of approximately 700,000 and uh, bumping Verizon up now to 62.1 million people. <laughs> the areas are, are very interesting. They're kind of like someone sneezed on a map here, quite honestly. It's, it's um, eastern Washington and Oregon, northern Minnesota, uh, upstate Maine, and parts of Mississippi and uh, what's what else is in there? Maybe Arkansas, North Dakota, South so, Dakota, South Dakota. Yeah. yeah, boy, I mean, just a strange smattering. Two point six seven billion dollars, though. That's that's pretty good. A pretty good chunk of change there for for a, a group of what I consider a relatively small number. Um, the rural cellular stock is trading at about forty three dollars a share. Um, but Joey, you found something interesting here talking about the differences that um, that this is going to mean as far as GSM and CDMA and, and kind of what what rural cellular uses and how that's different than Verizon. Yeah, it looks like uh, Verizon's going to convert over the rural cellular's, rural cellular's existing GSM markets into CDMA um, and then try to get everybody over into CDMA. But they're going to maintain the GSM networks concurrently um, to, to, for, for roaming of other GSM users. So it, it looks like Verizon's going to become a GSM carrier. Uh, it kind of. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, have a, I have a GSM phone now from Verizon. My BlackBerry 8830 has a SIM card slot. Okay, that's that's really bad. But <laughs> but, not, but not isn't that the wrong uh, networks? Uh, the the wrong uh, frequencies. The wrong bands. Yeah, it's the the ah. the, yeah, the nine hundred and the eighteen hundred GSM. Anyway, but yeah, America's newest GSM provider, Verizon Wireless. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Verizon, they had a product pipeline that got leaked out here back on uh, the first of August. And uh, just to mention here, if you're a Verizon subscriber and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. The uh, they've got five potential phones now. I, I this is this is speculation. So, but I, I'm a I pay them money every month, so I do feel it necessary to to mention what they're potentially coming out here with uh, mid to late August with all of these. The uh, the Motorola Z6 TV, which is a slider TV device, so you can watch live TV on your slider phone. The Q9M, which we've been talking about for a while. The upgrade to the Motorola Q, late August. Uh, Windows Mobile 6 running device there with no thumb wheel on the side. Uh, the Razer Squared, uh, as Joey likes to call it, the Razer Razer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The, the supposed Razer 2, which uh, that, that'll be an interesting device, uh, I think. Uh, that'll probably be a pretty pretty big seller. I think so. It's got the Bluetooth stereo in it, which is, um, <laughs> I don't know. Not a new a... feature, but, uh, I, you know. Yeah, it's not a new feature, but it's a new feature for people who aren't used to, you know, the smart, fancy phones where you can, you know, you can listen to your music without wires. But that, that, that external display, that two-inch display is really, really neat. And uh, those external music controls, which we kind of talked a little bit about on, on uh, one of our past, uh, past shows, I and, think it was... Uh, and they have to differentiate this phone from the uh, the iPhone, which does not have Bluetooth stereo, as we discussed in the last phone. So. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and then the i760, which I'm really excited about. And this is, I, I don't know if it's just me and just really liking something different, 
But this i760 we've talked about in the past, and it's not much different than your typical Windows Mobile uh, uh, device that has the, the 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 stowaway keyboard that slides out from underneath the screen. Except that it's got a 12 key keypad on the front of it, so you can do all your your phone dialing and uh, maybe some even quick text messaging without having to pull out that keyboard from underneath it if you don't want to. So a little bit, a little bit different there, and I think that definitely could get some get some traction depending on um, what people are looking for. And then the all important upgrade to the uh, VX or XV, I guess it is 6700. The XV 6800 should be available uh, with uh, upgradable to EVDO Rev A and uh, Windows Mobile 6. So that's that's pretty neat. I, I know that came out wrong. It's not upgradable to Windows Mobile 6. It has Windows Mobile 6, and it has regular EVDO in it, which will be upgradable to EVDO Rev A. So that's the XV6800. So some new Verizon stuff out there that uh, hopefully later in the month, which I don't know. You know, I see Windows Mobile again, and I say, eh, maybe we'll give it another shot. I like that 760. Anyway. Next one here, 200 million 3G subscribers and counting is where we're at right now in the world. And uh, T-Mobile USA is one of the only GSM carriers in uh, the the Western world uh, that does not have the technology yet. And here's what the GSM world study has revealed, is that there are 131 million UMTS subscribers about 65 million EVDO and EVDO Rev A subscribers, and 3.5 million HSDPA subscribers. So you add all those up, and you get a number that's very close to uh, 200 million. So what that means to me, and we were talking about this before the show, Joey, is that you've got all these UMTS subscribers with all the GSM providers across the world. You've got HSDPA, which has been rolled out in just a few countries, the US being one on AT&T, and then in uh, the UK as well on a couple of their networks. And then 65 million EVDO subscribers. Now, there are not that, when we were just talking about Verizon, there's only 62 million Verizon subscribers. I think Sprint's got somewhere between, I don't know, someone correct me if I'm wrong, maybe 50 million subscribers, and Altel is well below that, maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 million subscribers. So there's probably 100 million subscribers, 120 million EVDO, or excuse me, potential EVDO subscribers on the CDMA networks, and you're telling me about half of those people are subscribers? And kind of our, our, our thought process on that was a lot of these have to be those data cards because I, I just don't see that many people using their EVDO phones here in the U.S. for, you know, for the, for the service. Do you? No, not at all. I, I, you know, there's bits and pieces. Some people, you know, with Verizon, I, I, knew, I do know they have a, a fairly popular music download service. You know, their TV thing doesn't go over that either but no I, no not really at all I, there's a you know a, a handful of people who do some tethering um and the rest of it yeah you're right it's just the, the 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 cards but i don't even know if that's included in those numbers so right and i i, I like the the gsm numbers those those mean a little bit more to me than the 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 evdo ones but or the cdma ones but anyway about 200 million 3g can, subscribers in the world so kind of neat uh, Windows Mobile 6 ROM, unofficial Windows Mobile 6 ROM, I should say, uh, has been leaked out for the Trio 750 on the AT&T network here in the U.S. 
And what this is going to do, and I, I do have to mention that, that this is a very incremental upgrade for those of you who are thinking about making an upgrade from Windows Mobile 5 to Windows Mobile 6 when the software comes out. Obviously, I definitely endorse upgrading software and upgrading ROMs as you as they come out available from the subscriber or from the, the carriers because it's just going to make your device more stable and add features that it may not have had in the past. This one is unofficial, so just keep that in mind. I'm not endorsing, you know, loading this onto your device and potentially, you know, turning it into a nice heavy paperweight. But uh, the, the upgrades that this is going to do for you are adding in uh, HSDPA, which was a hack in the previous version of the Windows Mobile 5 for the Trio 750, which is pretty neat because then what that enables is with Windows Mobile 6, there's an internet connection sharing feature. And the way that, that this... Um, those of you who have listened to the msmobiles.com uh, podcast will know what's great about this is that you connect your phone to a computer and there's no additional software that needs to be installed. Your, your connection on your phone is recognized by your computer. And so you have, it's kind of like plugging in an ethernet cable that's live to a laptop. You automatically get to log on and start going right away. That's kind of how this works. It's not like a dial-up connection. Um, so that's pretty neat. So that, that in, you know, uh, adds that back into it as well. So, um, yeah, that's an amazing, that's an amazing, uh, feature. I, I like I said before, the, the carriers are, aren't going to like this one. So no, but what could they potentially do? You know, I mean, they're, they're either going to block it or raise the price, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of the, the way of that. Uh, also in software news, uh, the BlackBerry 8830 has a new operating system, and it's really an upgrade to the ROM. And uh, I was able to, I got this sent over to me by one of our listeners, Jared, and uh, head over to the Smith Micro site, and I've got a link here in the show notes for it. And what this does for the 8830 is it now enables A2DP for stereo Bluetooth streaming, which is pretty nice. I haven't been able to uh, listen to stereo Bluetooth stuff in a while. I am excited for this. Uh, And it also potentially unlocks the SIM card slot. Now, I say potentially because it's saying that it does, but I put in my T-Mobile US SIM card into the SIM slot, and I was still getting a SIM card error. So, and this is a SIM card that works just fine in in, uh, unlocked Nokia phones that I have. So... The, the thought here is that it could be only certain SIM cards are going to work. So, for example, maybe AT&T and T-Mobile U.S. SIM cards do not get recognized by this phone, but other SIM cards from other carriers around the globe would. So uh, anyone has any experience with that, love to hear it, because um, I have a China mobile SIM card hanging around somewhere, but uh, that is not accessible to me, so I'd have to dig for it. But if I can find that, I'll try and pop that in and see if I get any, uh, uh, any, any update with that. So, but, uh, nice though. I mean, got, you got to imagine, Joey, Verizon was just getting hammered with complaints on this guy. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, old it, phone it, and <laughs> you can't, you can't use, it? use it around. The, yeah. I, I, it just, I mean, everybody who travels to foreign countries, as you well know, because you've done it, you buy prepaid phones off the, or prepaid SIM cards off the, the rack and pop them into your phone. You just, you don't have a world phone that's locked. You just don't do it. I mean, yeah, Sprint, Sprint sells theirs unlocked. So come on, Verizon. You know, just stop trying to make the extra few bucks here and there. Um, the people who, who don't want to deal with SIM cards, um, you know, uh, buying prepaid ones in those countries, they're not going to be hassling with that. But there's going to be half the people are going to want that, that phone unlocked. 
for that reason. And and those people still may even use the Verizon SIM card uh, so they can receive phone calls. So, you know. I think it I think it definitely needs to be an option that's there because the other option is to leave this phone at home and get a $20 or less unlocked phone off of eBay and go buy a prepaid SIM when I get over there. What I mean really, what is the difference? I want to be able to bring this phone and I under I I definitely understand where they want to make the money, but I I agree with you, Joey. It's just silly. I mean it really is for them. Yeah. Okay, so Josh was one of our commenters on one of our previous shows, um, and I, he had asked you about the i500, Joey, and I know that's uh, a phone that you've been using for many years and you love it, and you've got some software that you want to recommend uh, not only to him, but to any of the other Palm OS users that are out there that I think is yes. good stuff. Uh, definitely. Um, the, the Samsung i500, it's... Uh, it's a great Palm phone, but it's dialing software that the contact management is is slightly upgraded from the, the basic Palm 4 OS, which means it's awful for, for placing phone calls. Uh, just awful. Um, the speed dial is pretty decent. That's how I make most of my phone calls is just using the, the one through one through four or one through nine uh, speed dials. But um, that obviously only works good for you know, 10 people. You can go further than that, but it, that's too hard to remember. So come in this uh, software here by SHSH Software. They have awesome support, uh, frequent builds, and the software is called Take Phone. And it, it turns your, your phone in just a super fast lookup for everybody's phone number, everybody's name. You can search on last name, first name, company name. You just use the, the numbers on your phone you know, as the letters. And it'll just do that quick search, and it you can't live without it. It's it's so worth the money for it. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, I know it's also good for Trio 680s and 700s and 755s. So go get that software if you uh, use Trios or a Cryosera 6035 or 7135 and uh, a bunch of other phones. So definitely get that one. Um, the other software I recommend uh, for Palm OS is uh, Datebook. Um, it's a very, um, very well-supported um, datebook replacement, calendar replacement for Palm OS. It looks, on the surface, it looks just like the Palm calendar, um, but the power behind it is is so unbelievable. I can't even describe how powerful it is. Uh, you can do uh, tagging with icons, tagging with colors. You can change the font size. You have... Uh, the feature I like the most are floating events. So every single day that uh, event shows up on your calendar until you check it off. Um, reminders can uh, remind you a couple days in advance that you've got an appointment coming up. Um, it just the feature list. I, I could spend the next six hours telling you what this program does. So that is uh, very well worth the money as well. And uh, those two things will make your uh, i500 and your trios uh, that much better. So. Very good, and I'll have uh, have links to both SHSH and uh, looks like it's uh, Pimlico Software is the other yes. company, and I will be be sure to put those in the show notes. So if you are a Palm user, you can pop over there and pick them up. Comment here from Harry. Harry says a comment on the statement: the BlackBerry is an email device, the iPhone is a multimedia device. Uh, I think we may have mentioned that in one of the previous shows. I think that's where he's getting that from. Um, <laughs> he's well, anyway. Harry says. 
The guy had never has never used the BlackBerry Curve. It took me a while to put my iPod up on a shelf, but I finally did. I now listen to all my podcasts on the BlackBerry Curve. However, I don't use the RIM-supported Roxio software to move media to the BlackBerry Curve. I use the missing sync. Uh, the BlackBerry Curve is a, is a little lacking as a podcast player. Uh, there's no dot next to the unlistened to podcasts, and many of the podcasts put the show number in the podcast title, but the Curve sometimes doesn't display that number in all views. I guess nothing is perfect. It'll be interesting to see, will all the other cell phone manufacturers change their user interface now that the iPhone is out? Uh, that is the most interesting question to me now, Harry. Thank you, Harry, for that. And then uh, he wrote me back uh, a day later and said, just also uh, wanted to let you know, my friend said no to the Jitterbug service. The plans with Jitterbug are just not good. Uh, You would think more providers would offer these for seniors. Unfortunately, she bought the V220 from AT&T. She had a Motorola before, so she was intrigued um, by my, or now she's intrigued by my BlackBerry Curve, uh, but wouldn't even look at the BlackBerry Pearl. Now she complains about the user interface of the V220. Uh, I don't know what to tell you on that one, Harry. Looks like uh, she needs to, you know, take advantage of the that that trial period and, and maybe take it back. Yeah, I was just gonna say something about the comment before about the iPhone versus BlackBerry deal. We we had mentioned that before, and. Uh, you know, we weren't saying that the, the BlackBerry is an exclusively an email device and the iPhone is exclusively a multimedia device. They both cross over, and uh, obviously you're using your BlackBerry um, to be a multimedia device for listening to podcasts. Um, that's great that you can use the device for that, and uh, obviously that saves you money because you don't have to have the iPod on the shelf. So maybe you should uh, sell it on eBay, but uh, you know, help pay for the service plan. But no, it's not. We, we weren't say, we weren't saying that y- you can't use it for. Uh, for you know the being a multimedia device and uh, it it's i guess it was designed as an email device you know as a business type email device and uh you know the the, the creature that the, i'm sorry the, the the feature creep you know things will just start crossing over just like the iphone will become more and more a smartphone as time goes on just like blackberry is now becoming more and more a media device as time goes on because you know the first blackberry obviously you couldn't play music on that Oh, yeah, not even the not even the, some of the recent ones. It's not until this new uh, BlackBerry OS, the like it's four point two that build that came out that you now have some integrated functionality into it. So yeah, that, it's it's taken them a while, but they're they're coming over to the dark side and and giving some of those options out there. So that's good for them. Question here from Mike, and this is the one we were referring to earlier. He says, I'm trying to figure out if Nextel's walkie-talkie feature is affected when there's too much cell phone usage. Um, and they drop out like uh, it ha- what happened on 9-11. Thank you, Mike. Well, one thing that a lot of people in emergency, you know, EMS, police, fire, uh, will all go to the Nextel service for is for the direct connect feature. Um, a lot of people look at it and say, well, yeah, it's a great way to connect directly with people very quickly without having to dial phone numbers and make, uh, make communications quickly. Well, uh, the, the, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that on the IDEN phones, um, that that direct connect feature is separated from the actual voice network for the phone calls. It's all IP-based. So because, because calls never actually leave the network through the switching station, they're extremely reliable, as long as, of course, 
your towers are still standing. Uh, but it's one of the things that really sets Nextel apart uh, from the rest of the market is that their their solution that they have for you know government and 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 these these agencies that need uh, that need this the support and and to be able to talk to each other during these types of situations. Um, really, the only other option for you are satellite phones, but of course they have no ground based dependence, so they would work anywhere. But that's not a viable option. So most people kind of went with the Nextel route. Hey, Mickey, do you know if uh, Nextel towers also suffer from the, 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 the fact that if you have too many people trying to use you know, their walkie-talkies at once on a particular tower, if it'll run out of capacity, just like normal cell phones do? Do you, do you know what the, the case the, is on that? The way that they market it. Now, I, I can't say that I've looked into it, but the way that they market it is that because it is IP-based, the the direct connect call uses very little data um and the amount of traffic i believe would probably be in the thousands of subscribers um versus i don't know how many calls you can have on a tower probably not many it's a lot less than people think it's like 48 or something like that simultaneous calls um so that that is that is the advantage so i'm not saying that it wouldn't be possible to down the the tower but the the fact that it's not going through a switching station and tying up one of those circuits is the reason you don't get the all circuits are busy with that so that's kind of the roundabout answer to say maybe <laughs> so well that's good um, yeah there, no it is it, it, it is it's 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 uh the ID network it's amazing even though how how kind of you know quote unquote old it is uh how many advantages it does have mhm yeah and there you know it was built directly you know in conjunction with Motorola you know basically supporting uh, with few exceptions all Motorola phones so it was kind of all put together as one and i know for a lot of people it's going to be sad when it finally goes away but anyway we digress. Moving on here, we've got a voicemail from Ryan, and Ryan just wants to say thanks. Hey, Mickey, it's uh, Ryan. Hey, I'm just calling on these uh, Motorola headset Bluetooth that you sent me. Just wanted to call and thank you for these. Um, so far, they're really good. Um, so, anyways, I will uh, give them a try here in the next week or two and give you a more informal review on them. But anyways, thanks again, and great show. Well, Ryan, we are certainly glad that you received your headphones and that they're working with you, uh, working for you, I should say. Uh, voicemail sounded great there, and uh, certainly appreciate you calling in. If you have any, any additional comments or information you'd like to share with us about them that maybe I didn't cover in the review or we haven't talked about on the show, we'd love to hear it. So please shoot us another voicemail or send us an email, whatever. We'll be sure to get it on. Comment here from Harry. I think we know Harry. We've talked to him a few times or about him a few times today. He says, never have I seen such a fever of interest to develop applications for a smartphone as I have witnessed with the iPhone. Uh, Other smartphones have their SDK, which is the software developer kit, but I've never seen the kind uh, of fever that is developing for the iPhone. Um, And if Apple uh, wanted, they could have developed a super easy to use SDK. Uh, they did it years ago with the HyperCard. They could do it again. Question is, do they want to? And I think that's a great point is they like to have all of their applications off of the phone. They have all these Web 2.0 applications that are basically running on 
websites. And so you're able to, to, to hop on and use any application, but it doesn't actually get on to affect the operating system of the iPhone, which is kind of the way they like it. Now, I think at some point, we may say a shift, see a shift in that. Now, I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying it probably will. So, I don't know. Joey, I, I don't know if you know anything about SDKs or if you want to comment on that at all. Well, I can... Yeah, and, and I know reliability is one of the, the major reasons why they, they've really held back on the iPhone development. Um and the reason you don't see that yet is because they want you to do everything through that um, through Safari, and and you know the, yeah we we know the reasons, but you know they they may release an SDK like you said, but they may not. But but the fever I, I want to address the fever aspect here is it it the Mac OS has obviously taken off dramatic you know dramatically in the past year or two. And a lot of people who like the program and a lot of the geeky types have really moved over to Mac OS, whereas that used to be just the that used to be the laughing stock of computers. You know, Artsy, if any, if you were, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if you were a computer geek, you would just shun the Mac, and now it's flip flopped. Now it's gone, you know, just one eighty. Now, now, if you're a computer, you know, computer geek, you go for the Mac because you have the Unix underneath and you can just do so much more than you can now with the windows os so um the fever is from that i think and i i don't think it'll be that long until you see one of those geeks developing the sdk if apple doesn't get it out time oh that's a that's a great point thank you for that um Moving on here, question from Stephanie. Stephanie says, Mickey, I love the show. I currently use a BlackBerry 7130E with Verizon. Uh, however, I miss the full keyboard and the more expandable memory. I've tried various phones, but keep coming back to the BlackBerry. I know you recently switched over to the 8830. Uh, while it is more in line with what I need, the keyboard is not as comfortable as the Curve, uh, which also has a camera. Not necessary, but nice. Are you aware of a release date for Verizon's version of the Curve? Now, I've mentioned this in the past, that my opinion of the keyboard on the 8830 is definitely not as good as what they've had in the past. I mean, if you look back at the at the series when we had, I think it was the, the 7100 series, and, and how great that keyboard was, and even into the 87 series, they really they did a great job with them. And, and this one is... is is mediocre at best. I'm, I'm learning to type on it all right, but uh, I spent a little bit of time yesterday typing some blog posts out on it for, I was just out and about and I didn't have a computer and so I was doing it on my phone. And my thumb started to hurt, not because of cramping or anything, but because of the raised lips that you have on each of the keys. And while it's easy to figure out where I'm trying to type on it, it really was a little bit annoying after a while. So I do have to kind of knock it for that a little bit. Uh, but to answer your question, do I know of a release date for the curve? I really don't. Um, I, I wish I did. You know, the, the whole camera thing with Verizon, they they don't like to put the cameras on the BlackBerry devices because then it's going to be an, an option that a business can't take a lot of times. Some of the bigger corporations uh, will not allow a camera phone to be used in a workplace. So the the fact that you know that BlackBerry has a camera on it is an automatic uh, not option for them. So that's kind of why you're probably, if you see a curve, it's going to be maybe modified to have to be lacking the camera, kind of like the 8830 has. So that kind of answers that question for you. Um, the, the next one here is from an old friend of ours, and his name is Matt. 
Mickey, this is Matt from Ohio again. Co-host, one of your many co-hosts, I should say, with all the guests you've been having lately on there, man. Things are booming. That's awesome. Um, just want to call and give you an update. Uh, as you know how I love to try out all new good stuff on my queue, well, I recently get a postcard in the mail from Verizon telling me, hey, guess what? You can now download music to your queue through the VZ App Zone. Just download this software here. Well, I have to put a big no-no on that because when I tried it, this, this software did nothing but screw up my phone. took up a bunch of memory and just would keep on locking. It would uh, One thing I could tell you right off the bat, what it would do, would I get a missed call, couldn't even check my missed call log. It would freeze up my phone. I had to actually reset the battery just to get it to work again. So I just wanted to give you an update on some of the stuff that Verizon's doing that's right now not working. So... Look forward to future shows, and hopefully we'll be on some. Hopefully you'll bring you back on someday in the future. Uh, as always, love the podcast, and we'll talk to you later. See ya. Well, Matt, thank you very much for that. I think the uh, the the appropriate response to that would be: um, sounds like that's a piece of software that we don't want to have or have any of our listeners downloading because that's really not good, especially on Windows Mobile when it's hogging all that memory and whatnot. That's that's just not so good. Anyway, question here from, yeah, dump it. Question (laughs) here from Darren. He says, hey, Mickey, just discovered your podcast at show number 60, and I'm starting back at show number one. Uh, I believe it was show number 60 that you explained how UMTS allows for simultaneous voice and data connections. In reading the Verizon 6800 thread over at Howard Forums, they are saying that EVDO Reve will support simultaneous voice and data. If this is true, um, is this true? If it is, it's very cool. By the way, the same thread is saying that the 6800 will be released on August 10th. I've been waiting since December uh, for this phone as my 6600 is getting quite old. Keep up the great work, Darren in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Well, Darren, uh, it's a very good question. In fact, I had to do a lot of digging, and I've got a, a contact within the Qualcomm organization that allowed me to kind of get some, I wouldn't say inside information, but kind of get me on the right track as far as what's going on with the EVDO and, uh, and how their next generations are going to be working. There is a lot of conflicting information out there. I'll tell you that right now. I had a hard time getting to this point. But the simultaneous voice and data sessions aren't going to be around until the EVDO Rev-B gets released. Now, if you look at what Verizon is doing right now and what Sprint is you know, getting into, it's all Rev-A. And Rev-A is really the push right now to get the upload speeds up to where they need to be and also to kind of boost the, the download speeds as well up to the, I guess, the status quo of where HSDPA is. So kind of closer to that one megabit uh, range. Anyway, so here's a link, and I'm gonna. This is from 3g.co.uk, and that kind of talks about why I'm going to say that EVDO Rev B is going to be uh, the the revision that allows this. What you want to look for um, is the OFDM, and that is the next generation of the technology, and it's going to be this along with some other things that are going to come along with this with this revision, um, but that that simultaneous voice and data is going to be, um, obviously, in my opinion, one of the bigger ones. Um, also, here's a Qualcomm site that I'll put in, and that's uh, cdmatech.com, and that's Qualcomm's uh, customer-facing website that they have. And that shows that RevB will allow for three channels for, quote-unquote, multitasking. Now, that is, to me, the multitasking means that voice, data, and possibly a control channel. Uh, Joey was mentioned that before the show, and that's probably right on. Um, 
you know, we'll take a look and we'll, we'll keep looking for anything that either corroborates or conflicts with this information and uh, we'll make sure to pass it on. But thank you for writing in. That's a great question. Um, Joey, is there anything on this one um, that, that I'm a little off on or that you want to mention with this? Not that I know of. I, I'm not extremely familiar with, uh, with the EVDO, but I think that's true because you, you can't receive or send data on your current phone can you and and hold a phone conversation no what it what they what they changed with the evdo from up from the 1x connection was they allowed when you're in a data session they allow you to receive a call um, okay so but but the data session still can't continue uh, i no, mean simultaneously. it stops it yeah it stops so. and it continues from where it left off when the voice call is ended so it's not as harsh of a cutoff as uh, what what you would have with the with the older connections, but no, it's and and that's what I'm saying is in one, in the Rev A as well. Yeah, we're not gonna. I really doubt we're gonna see it, at least from the information at this point that I have. Yeah, I suppose until some other people or maybe you have a Rev A phone, you'll be able to confirm that. You yep. know for sure. Yep, exactly. Th- those devices are just coming out right now, aren't they? Yeah, I mean we're we're just looking at now. I mean we're talking about this six this XV sixty eight hundred where. I don't think this one is is going to have um, have that capability. At least it, it doesn't appear that it's going to. So, but at some point we may we may see something where people can test that out. I shouldn't say at some point we will definitely see it. Uh, question here from Joseph. He says, "Here's a question for you and your experts. Why is it that you only see pullout antennas on CDMA phones uh, where the GSM or IS uh, 136, the old TDMA, either have stub antennas or built-in antennas? I can recall several models that are identical except for the technology that have pullout antennas for the CDMA version and a fixed stub or internal antenna for the other technologies, the, i.e. the Nokia 5100s um, and the Motorola V60. Uh, the answer to this has actually been discussed multiple times on this show, and um, I just wanted to mention it again because it is a very good question, and this kind of just comes up every once in a while. The only phones that really ever had the external and extendable antennas here in the U.S. were those old analog devices that we all remember from the 80s, and then more recently the CDMA or the IDEN phones. Um, and the, I think, I, I'm sorry, I mentioned up earlier, the IS-136 is the IDEN. That's not TDMA. So just to clarify that. Anyway, Verizon, Sprint, Altel, and Nextel um, all had some of these phones with these external antennas. Singular and T-Mobile and uh, some of the other GSM carriers had some with, uh, with the technology, but those were... Uh, or some that had the external antennas with um, with the GSM. You mean te- the, ex- the extendable antennas? The ex- the extendable. I'm sorry, I'm getting okay. my my e words mess- mixed up here. Um, the, the, what you're seeing here, the difference, it all has to do with the technology. Um, you read about how sometimes the frequency, um, or sometimes the the quote unquote preference of the carrier uh, will have to do with it. Well, it that's. That's completely false. Frequency has nothing to do with it. Uh, AT&T, Verizon, two different technologies, both use the same frequencies, different antennas. So that's completely out. Preference, I don't buy. Why would Motorola say, hey, I think we should pull out an antenna on a Verizon phone, but on an AT&T phone, we should have it so that it's a stub antenna. Not, not buying it. All has to do with the way the technology works. Basically, there was a time when retractable antennas really made a big difference in how strong your signal was and how well a phone call was received. So that was really kind of in the, in the early days where 
where we were at, where CDMA had multi, out, the way that the technology works, it is always on multiple towers. Some of the towers are close, some of them are far away. The extendable antenna, as well, doesn't really make a, a, a large difference in the amount of room away from the phone it has. Your hand's not covering it up like sometimes you can tend to do you know, with those stub antennas. You can get your fingers on or whatever. So, but what has happened is in the, in the past 10, 15 years, the technology has kind of caught up with the times, and we really have a good market penetration for our towers now. And so internal antennas really offer just as much of a, you know, of a signal boost as their... Uh, their their predecessors did with the external ones. And the, the, the sturdier phones now are the ones that don't have external antennas. In fact, I can, I can only think of a couple of phones that even have stub antennas anymore. I mean, almost all of them are now internal, you know, from the razors to, you know, your, your smart, your trios. Now your trios have taken that antenna and put it back inside now. So, um, that is kind of the, the story with that. Um, I know I kind of rambled on there, Joey. I'm sorry about that, but um, that's so. Uh, it's in, in summary, it was mostly the analog phones, right? I mean, that was kind of where it really came from because, yeah, the the, the antenna technology was much worse back then. Um, currently, most of the IDEN Nextel phones have extendable antennas still, so they they still do that. Uh, yes. I, I don't exactly know why, but they they all still have them. Yeah, their their technology also has some different power levels in that IDEN and, and having to having a lot to do with that that direct connect feature um, that it's it it outputs more power uh, connections are a little bit different so it's 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 a lot more technical than I, I want to get into on this show but um, it, it, it all has to do with the technology so question here from Larry it says after hearing David Pogue's wax David Pogue wax poetic on the new T-Mobile program called the hotspot there must be a dark underbelly or the a devil in the details but wow if there isn't I will soon drop Verizon and uh, switch over to uh, T-Mobile as some of the phones that they have with the limited features don't bother me um, I like simple I'm a Mac guy any advice <laughs> Well, his review and assessment was very accurate of how the of the the service works. I've tested it in the past. In fact, on uh, I think two shows ago, I made a call in and got to hear what it sounded like. They're going to get some additional phones out there with some uh, some good technologies on there, um, and not technologies, but good features on there. Probably some Blackberries, maybe some smartphones. They're going to get there at some point, but um, at this point. You're down to those two phones, but for at ten bucks a month, if you want to make unlimited calls in areas that you know you're going to spend a lot of time in, go for it. It's a great idea. It's a great service, and uh, I credit T-Mobile for getting it out there. It's really, really nice. Question here from Will. He says, uh, "Mickey, I'm glad you and your family are all right. You just never know." Um, question: Ignoring the cost differential, in your opinion, which phone would be better? The HTC. S620 with the Windows Mobile 6 ROM upgrade or the HTC S630 with the Windows Mobile 6 native. Now, for our uh, listeners out there, the 620 is the T-Mobile or the, uh, excuse me, the, the OEM version of the T-Mobile Dash and the S630 is the, the predecessor or the, the successor to that, uh, which is going to be called the Cavalier. Now, some, some notable differences with this 
are a CPU that is about twice as fast. You're going from a an OMAP 850 processor that runs at about 200 megahertz up to a Samsung processor that runs at about uh, 400 megahertz. Also, it's got a camera that is uh, boosted to a 2.0 megapixel from the 1.3 on the 620. Also, a an upgrade to high-speed uh, data. So you get both UMTS and HSDPA in that 630. So for me, it's a slam dunk, Joey. I'm going with the S630 if there's no price difference. I there's Ab- Absolutely. And and even, you know, as the, the letter kind of uh, alludes to using the native uh, Windows Mobile 6, it's always better to get a, a device or a computer or whatever with the OS that comes with the, the, the phone to have it built for it exclusively and uh, out of the box. It's just, it'll always work better. Um, there, there's always little tweaks, little things they do with the OS provided for with the hardware out, out of the shoot. So it, even in that uh, thing, it's, it's, it's better again. So I'm looking here and I, I see no other real discernible differences between the two. There's some cosmetic things, but pretty much everything else is the same. So if you can live with a slower processor, which could potentially mean better battery life, uh, if you can live with the slower edge speeds, if you can live with a, a, a camera that's a little less quality, maybe save a few bucks and go with the 620. So that's the flip yeah, side it, to that. There's a bigger battery as well with the uh, slightly bigger battery with the 630. Ah, there you go. Okay. Well, last but not least, we've got a question here from Gene. Actually, it's multiple questions, and uh, this is a real good one. He says, I've been listening to your show for a very short time, um, but I think you guys discuss a lot of uh, good tech material, and I consider myself a regular subscriber. I've added your link to my RSS feed program so I won't miss another episode. My question is somewhat naive, I'll admit, and perhaps a little off-center from your usual questions, but I would like to better understand Bluetooth devices. I have four devices that use Bluetooth. One is a cell phone. Whenever I pair any of the devices with any of the others that I own, I'm always instructed to enter the password of 0000. To me, that doesn't make any sense. What's the point of using the exact same password every time you try and pair any device? It defeats the real purpose of a password. Can you please explain Bluetooth passwords? Also, I have a Bluetooth handset that I automatically connects or headset that automatically connects with my cell phone whenever I both of them on at the same time. But my PDA does not automatically connect. Can you explain automatic versus Bluetooth? Um, can you explain automatic versus non-automatic Bluetooth connections? Thanks for your help. Keep up the excellent podcast and website work. Okie doke. So here is the very non-technical answer for this because I don't know the, the technical side of it, but Consider this, when you pair two devices, and it can be any two Bluetooth devices, there is a physical interaction that has to be done with both of the devices. If you have a a headset, um, as an example, um, and we know that you have to push and hold down a button or multiple buttons on the headset for a few seconds to get it into discovery mode. Then you go into your phone or PDA, have it search out, search for that device. The reason that they have you use the 0000 as the default password is to help with the ease of the pairing process between the two. Um, only the, the only way someone can really pair the two of them together is, like I said, to have them physically in your hands. Uh, someone else's phone is not able to search out and pair with someone else's headset because you have to put it into discovery mode to make that happen. Obviously, not doable without physically having it. Um, it gets, you know, it gets a little bit different when we talk about pairing computers and phones. Um, 
Um, but that's not really what you're referencing there when you're talking about um, the 0000. zero, zero, zero. Uh, secondly, as far as the automatic connection that is made, it gets into the programming, um, what I believe is in the Bluetooth stack. Um, it will know that a headset, um, and this kind of goes back to how a device is actually programmed, but it knows that a headset should be paired when it's on and it's in range of a phone, PDA, computer, whatever it is. But just because a phone uh, and a computer, both have Bluetooth, Bluetooth on, doesn't mean that they need to talk to each other. Think about how quick your battery would run down if you had them both connected all the t- time. Or, you know, I, I just think about the fact that I've got two computers that have Bluetooth native, you know, built into them. And I've got multiple phones that have Bluetooth in them and a PDA that, I mean, it just, everything would be connecting to each other all the time. And it just really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for that to happen automatically. So that's why those don't. But headset can only be paired with one phone at a time. So if you have it paired with one phone, you turn it on, it knows that that's where it needs to go. And it goes directly to it. So Joey, anything else that uh, you'd like to add to this one? I know you don't use Bluetooth, but no, my phone is uh, way too uh, it's way too old for Bluetooth, unfortunately. Uh, we'll get you into there at some point. We're gonna get you like a, a dongle or something that you can plug in, and, and so we can we can get you in the, the Bluetooth revolution. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? That's it. It is uh, you know coming up right in an hour here, and and. We had a lot of great questions here, and you know, after a little over a week off, it they kind of stack up. But that doesn't mean I don't want to get more. So if you have any questions or comments, absolutely. Six zero two nine zero three four one one six is the phone number, or shoot us an email, thecellphonejunkie at gmail dot com. And uh, Joey, unless you have anything else, I think that's it. Sounds good, Mickey. Keep the questions coming. <laughs>